Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. If it's the first time joining me here today, the reason I say good morning, good afternoon, good evening is because I have folks listening from all over the world in so many different time zones. I never know if they're listening live in their morning, their afternoon, or their evening. This is the almost sixth season of the show. It started out on broadcast radio on iHeartRadio, and now we do it live on this beautiful platform where I'm using Restream.io, and I get to do video as well as audio for the podcast folks who are listening to this around the world. I love this time of day for me. It's daytime morning, 11 a.m. Eastern for me because I live in Florida because it's just, there's so much possibility in the world for me at this time of the day. And I get to bring to you some amazing people that I've met along the way of my own journey or that other people have met and said to me, Laura, you need to interview this person on your show. They completely changed the way I thought about something. And that's what this show is all about. It's all about the questions. It's about shifting your perspective, learning new ideas, and implementing them, figuring out ways to change the way you're doing things or to improve the way you're doing things, or as some people have recently told me, let go some of the ways you've been doing things. So let's get right started with it today. I've got an amazing guest, and she is now right here on screen, Nicole Sheffler. Welcome, Nicole. Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. <laughs> it's so great to have you here today. Oh, and I forgot to tell my guests, yes, I still have this on, and I can't do my hair, I can't do makeup or anything, so you know, hey, we're just going to have fun. We're going to enjoy our time together because Nicole is a fellow geek and she's freaking awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. I'm proud to carry the geek name anywhere I go. <laughs> yeah. I was in uh, Silicon Valley a bunch of years ago and I was at the San Jose airport on my way out and I'm in the ladies room and there was this woman in there and she had this t-shirt and I had to take a picture of it and it used the word nerd. I reinsert geek. She let me take a picture. It said, her shirt said nerd, but I'm going to put geek. I prefer intellectual badass. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly exactly that's my ninja name my daughter yeah. always asks me she goes mama mom are you a, are you a barbie expert and then uh, wreck it ralph was on and she's like that's mom's favorite movie because she's an internet expert <laughs> <laughs> so there's all kinds of expert things and being a nerd expert i am a proud internet uh, expert i guess <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's so much fun to interview women in tech because I mean, you're younger than I am, but we're still on this journey of seeing the transformations that have occurred. And there's always been women in tech, just like there's always been men in tech, right? But it didn't always get the exposure, like the movie Hidden Figures. Yes. These women were always there. They did the stuff. People didn't necessarily think of it as tech, but... It, it is what it is. Now, you have had an illustrious career in, in tech, and you have two podcasts designed to highlight women in tech that you've won, what, like nine awards for as well? Yeah. <laughs> We're the reigning champions of a few, a few of those, yes. From uh, the Association of Women in Communication, it's a great organization that has the Clarion Award. Uh, that has different categories. So I encourage any uh, communicators to check them out. It's a great organization. And then uh, we've submitted our podcast and won uh, some of those and then got into the finalist category for the People's Choice podcast for our legacy podcast, Diva Tech Talk. I, You know, when I look at you and read your shows and, and I interviewed you for a podcast magazine for a feature, uh, you and your cohort in crime, and... One of the things that struck out to me was this idea that you want more than anything to help women, especially women in tech, achieve success. And 
I think that's that idea of success is very different for different people, Nicole. Yes. What I may define as success is different from what um, you may define as success or somebody that you're interviewing on the show. So for you, what does success look like in your life? And I know you've got kids, you've got family, you've got a career, you've got multiple careers, you're a professor. <laughs> I'm a crazy lady. Uh, I think it starts with an exercise that when I was younger in my career, the coaches go through it, like, what's your purpose? And you pick these words. And I think at the root of your question is an underlying, what's my why? And my, my, my own personal why, like you said, everyone's is different, right? And what they're trying to search for in life. And I just feel like I want to live every day to the fullest. And my why is to figure out how to do that. And since we spend so much time working (laughs) and I have seen the need for women in the field of technology, but I'm committed and dedicated to sparking success for women in technology by leading and serving. A lot of people do coaching and they go full-time coaching. And what I'm trying to do is kind of a a analogy to the hybrid of business and technology, right? Uh, When you talk about technology, you talk about why for the business. And when you talk about success, I want to be able to live that by being an engineering leader. I've been at Cisco for about 16 years. So working in the Fortune 100 space with uh, amazing talent on amazing products with, you know, game-changing customers. Um, so I want to lead in that way by example to try to attract women into the field and retain them here, which is even more important with COVID. So we should talk about that in a minute, but also serving them. And so this, the projects on the side are acts of service because when we raise each other up, I feel like uh, the tide is raised for all boats. And so uh, just like you've, you know, written a beautiful, beautiful article about Diva Tech Talk, that's a gift to me. So I just want to be able to have my legacy be raising people up in the culture of corporate America. So kind of bringing some of that heart and empathy and uh, love into into that, so people can love what they do. That's the long short answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. That says a lot about you, though, Nicole, because service is important, right? Most of us serve in some way. Some of us serve, um, some people serve more overtly, and some people serve more quietly. Some people serve in one direction. You have taken on this role of if you see something, you want to do something. You know, the old see something, say something, you're see something, do something, (laughs) right? Yes, sometimes to a fault, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's funny you say that to a fault, right? I, I have always taken exception to phrasing like that. And here's why. Because that's a judgment on yourself. Mm, True. And, and as women, we have a tendency to judge the different things that, we do all the time. We put these boundaries around them. And I've, I've started getting involved on Clubhouse. I've just done a couple of things on there with my sound-induced vertigo. It's a little hard because it's a pure audio platform, right? And I listen and see some of the things that are being said on that platform. And I go, really? Seriously? Somebody needs to start teaching people how to moderate a room that they're in because they're just self-serving. And then I went, wait a minute, cap my own judgment, walk out of that room if I have a problem with the room. I don't need to fix the room. They might be totally comfortable the way they are. And, and, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are around that, but you do massive projects for Cisco. You are a success coach to kit to high schoolers to college students to whatever where do you see this whole idea as a woman especially a woman in tech who we've been judged forever you know i i know i have well uh where do i see it for like the future or just where just how do now we- like what what are you starting to see are you seeing s- shifts are, do you find that 
a lot of judging is going on, especially since mm. COVID, right? So a lot of the judges in ourselves, uh, you know, we're our own worst enemies sometimes. So understanding how to reverse what's happening to you. I mean, I think right now as a collective, the world is already going through so much. And then we're going through things on top of it. It just makes it harder. You don't have your support system. So one thing I've done, just a note on survival, is to try to take whatever I'm struggling with and reverse that into like some type of positive affirmation. So if I'm worried that um, someone's going to get sick, you know, I'll say, you know, someone's feeling really well or, you know, really trying to focus on that. And then what is the main thing right now? And that's getting me through COVID. For women in tech... I think there's a few good things happening. For one, it's increasing the rate of digitization. So exciting because we have accelerated something that I've done for 16 years working from anywhere. So for me, it's natural to work from here. You know, I didn't stand up this home office, you know, March 2020. It was always like this. Um, it just became more cozy and we're inviting each other into these spaces together. Um, and so... I think there's a few things happening for women. Unfortunately, the biggest thing that I would like to say is how important my mission has become. Um, I've always been passionate about women in technology, but with the pandemic, more and more people have lost their jobs, as we know, and women are leaving because of the need for them to serve as mothers uh, to help mm -hmm. with school and to make tough choices for families uh, for health reasons or, um, you know, travel reasons and things like that. I think it's an even more important reason because we've made so much progress in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. And if we don't keep our feet on the gas and companies don't really intentionally start to diversify their talent in all ways, then we're going to lose out on the innovation that could save the world, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It still fascinates me. I have no children. Okay. And I'm not currently married either. That it's still in this day and age falls to the woman to take care of all those things. Uh, the greater percentage of it, right? And this does not happen in every house because I know this because I, I know this. I have friends that it's more of a sharing of responsibilities, but that's not the lion's share of the environment. And I'm curious, do you think that's because women choose to continue to take on that role and not push back or because, you know, we're, there's a genetic predisposition to, well, we're, we, we just need to do these things. So we put ourselves last over somebody else. We do tend to put ourselves last for sure. I think a lot of it is, even if you have a home where it's equal, uh, you know, I have a husband and two children and my husband stays home. The culture outside of our homes is still very traditional so that's why I'm so encouraging of women to understand that you can live to your full potential and you can thrive in whatever makes you successful without the limits. Like you have to be able to let go of maybe the dishes aren't put every night in place, right? Or um, maybe you have to outsource some things and that's been hard in the pandemic. So I think that's one thing is the pandemic makes it harder to outsource things that made things things possible before, i.e. daycare. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I have a four and a half year old. So she's been home a lot since March, very light in daycare. And then I had a baby during the pandemic. So it's been an incredible um, amount of pressure to work through things and still continue to be a mother, but we can control how that goes in the future. And that's a lot of what I'm trying to do is empower women but also empower uh, through organizations to understand and be aware of how we lead with empathy. And I think that's a great thing that's come from the pandemic is that we are starting to see people be a little forgiving if a kid pops in, you know, during a meeting or <laughs> a live, I go live a lot on, uh, on, the so on social and um, I've definitely gotten some visitors, but again, we're inviting each other into homes and it's, a little bit of a nice change 
to see people be a little more accepting, that you may have to have unique circumstances. Um, but I think women generally do carry a load of the heart to to make sure everyone's okay. We're just nurturers by nature, nurture by nature. So I think it's just really, really the time to be crystal clear on what we can do and celebrate what we are doing because now motherhood, parenthood, uh, working, you know, everything has become harder. Whatever you're doing is harder. (laughs) Uh, So I think we have to be more forgiving as well. That whole idea of forgiveness, I I love that, the concept of forgiving ourselves even, right? Um, You know, having this hand out of commission wasn't as bad as when I had this hand out of commission. But then I realized it was because my mom was still alive and we would cook together since I I live alone. Right. So when my mom was still alive and my left hand was in a cast and my right foot and my left foot was in a boot at the same time because I had broken it. um, My mom held the pot and I would stir like with my right hand or if I needed to do my hair or if we needed to make a bed, we, we were a team. But being here by myself as a woman, I'm putting my idea in my head of, well, I still have to do these things, right? And I still need to wash the dishes and whatever. And then my friend the other day said, have you ever heard of paper plates? <laughs> yeah, amazing technology. And, and, you know, I hate the idea of plastic forks, but she's like, there are options. You don't have to hold yourself to this perfection idea. You don't have to throw makeup on. You don't have to, you know, if you go on air wet head, just explain wet head. <laughs> you know, sure. Well, what, what powerful symbolism, Laura, because that's exactly what we're going through as people. Right. You physically have one hand less And now you wish someone was there and now people can't have their, their right hand person there for them. And I think it really is a rise and a time for people as a collective, uh, you know, yes, in corporate America, yes, for women in tech to come together, but more importantly for us to be the right hand for each other. And if, for example, when I had the baby during the pandemic, we needed a right hand very badly. We had a lot of um, bad juju at one time that our family was going through with loss and um, cancer. My husband's mom died six days before the baby was born. Oh, I did not so know that. It's just like everyone's, everyone. it's so symbolic, right? Like you said, like, how can you be the right hand for someone? Like if you have two hands, how can you lend a hand and um, be there? And I think that that's what I saw happen to me in the pandemic with women of Cisco, because when no one else was there for me, my women of Cisco team catered dinner for me for a few weeks. And it's just really a beautiful time of the awakening of how much we can do for each other and be the right hand. So I just thought that was kind of a beautiful analogy to your, your hand injury. Oh, it's just absolutely perfect. I, I love that. Um, I don't know if you know Jenny Lisk. I had her on my show two weeks ago. She wrote a new book called Future Widow. Okay. Uh, after her husband passed away, she's got an amazing podcast called The Widow Parent Podcast. And she talked about the, the village that it took while she was nurturing her husband through eight months of dying from a brain tumor. And she had children and and she was in the middle of a major home renovation when her husband got diagnosed. And that's something that I think women do exceptionally well is we just persevere, right? But we also are amazing at looking at what another woman is going through and saying, here's how I can help. One area I feel we tend to struggle with is saying, I need help. Yes, asking. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're working with the different people you work with and for yourself and and for my listeners, what would be your advice, your suggestion, your experience around saying, yeah, I can see what everybody else needs, but how do I ask for what I need? Well, I love the principle of asking in general, <laughs> whether you're asking for a promotion, 
asking more money, negotiate <laughs> pay, uh, but asking for help is really important. And I think my advice is that people are specific. So, um, and before you ask people too, I think because we're in such a sensitive time, you don't know what everyone is going through. It's important to kind of check in with people and say, Hey, I've got some stuff going on. Do you, do you mind if I open up to you? I might, I might need to ask you some things because we're starting to get to where we can help other people be prepared to carry like this um, emotion because things are so hard that you may not realize that they're also in a bad situation or right. they also have a loved one in COVID. Like you really have a first step of checking with people to make sure they're ready to receive and, and hold space for what you're going through. Once you get there, ask for something very specific that they can do to help. So like your manager at work, what do you, what do you really need from that manager? Do you need the extra day? Do you need a half a day? Do you need to go at four o'clock instead of five o'clock? Like, what do you need to make it work in this world and be specific about it? If your friend, you need help from them, what do you need them to do? Do you need them to bring a meal? Do you need them to come over and do laundry for a weekend? Like, I, I wish I lived by you and I would come help <laughs> hold the well, pot you. and also do laundry, right? And I have to change my sheets and I'm dreading it. <laughs> Yes, you need like a, a Uber service for like a DoorDash for yeah. sheet changing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for little things. So I think it's it's checking with people to make sure we're okay, but being specific on what people can do and definitely not being afraid to ask. We have to ask. It's time for the rise of the collective. And I think people's hearts have grown in this. Uh, I think we have a lot more to grow um, to con- continue to be unified and uh, embrace diversity that includes gender diversity and racial diversity and everything that comes with that and just different thoughts, political unity. I mean, we just need to come together as humanity right now. Um, it's just, I think everyone's feeling so overwhelmed. So I just give a big hug to everyone out there <laughs> who's watching this. You know, I I miss being able to hug people and smile people. And I think that humanity does. Like I know you kind of see it in the innocence of a child, right? What they miss and the simple things that they miss. And um, so we got to kind of get through this together. Yeah. Um, I want to kick to part of what you just talked about, because you talked a little bit about asking inside work in addition to the asking outside of work stuff. And my God, I, I wish I could take notes right now, which it, I just, I can't, quite you see my my handwriting it's quite funny right now so I'm just not even bothering it's just whatever it is I'll catch up on all that stuff later it's only another week and a half (laughs) but I with what's going on for women at work especially and even for men working from home that maybe weren't before but let's let's talk women because you and I are women and both of us are all about empowering women. And we see that they don't often, as we just talked about, ask for what they need. I I know Cisco is very big in empowering and also the work from home environments, but there are a lot of corporations who are not right. So there's a lot of women out there in tech or otherwise that now are working from home they are teaching their kids. They are cooking every meal. They are taking care of their homes, their husbands, their this, their that. Um, they feel they need to take it all on. And their bosses seem to feel that they should work 24 hours a day. And this was an issue that was happening beforehand, right, Nicole? I mean, with the advent of smartphones and everything. I mean, we respond to emails all times of the day or night. What would be your record? Let's have a conversation about this, about how you can safely set boundaries with your who you work for, with your boss, where you can approach it in a way where you're not like, they're going to fire me. I mean, yeah. that's always a possibility, but let's talk about it. Yes. I think for one, we are connected 24-7 on these phones. So we are constantly connected. As a trade, we need to realize if you're going to be constantly connected, then you constantly need to have a little forgiveness for, like I said, the the meeting. I'm breastfeeding. So 
maybe I might have to step outside of a meeting to pump or, you know, run upstairs <laughs> to visit my child. Um, I think employers need to understand how they can change their policies to be more accommodating to all for everyone in these situations. I know that at Cisco, they gave us a few days off when things were stressful. They also changed uh, some of the education we were getting around movements, which helped us create um, a higher level of understanding from diverse, like different types of articles and speakers that they would bring in town halls, like the rise of town halls and transparency. I think you also can't assume uh, that women are going through more. However, I have a special place in my heart for people with very young children during this because I have two and it was just so hard. And I even had maternity leave covering part of that. And uh, I was still kind of hustling, creating podcasts and such, but you know, it, the struggle is real. And so you have to set boundaries. One thing you can do is set reminders in your calendar to save the space. And that's really important. So if you think your boss kind of okayed for some, flex time for you, say I needed a pump. Maybe I put that 30 minutes in my calendar. In fact, everyone should put lunch in their calendar because now that everyone's working from home, you will do what I realized I've done for 16 years of working remote is sit at my desk and eat. Right. Or text someone, hey, can you bring me down a bagel? No, absolutely not. You know, put something in your calendar for lunch. Even sometimes I'll change, you know how you could do like meeting location? I'll put like living room. <laughs> And like this meetings in the living room and try to change a little bit of the scenery for my I'm own. I'm laughing, but that's brilliant. <laughs> like, so, well, I got to go. And you, you pack up your stuff and you act like you're going to a conference room. And then other times as well, if you're doing a meeting where it's a, not a video meeting like this and you don't have to take notes, say you're, you're listening mode or you're getting an update from someone or you're catching up with someone, hit the road, take, take a walk with it, right? I noticed a lot more people were walking. Uh, it's good for people to know because if they call on you, they could think <laughs> you're just really out of breath. If you're like, hey, hey, I had that happen to me <laughs> once. I was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just walking. <laughs> just really, yeah, I had a meeting really like pregnant. that. Uh, I'm not pregnant now, but. Uh, so I think those are some tips that I have. Uh, but again, now I think we need to look at employer policies more and we need to look at how how do they treat women uh, during this time? How did they treat women? What changes are happening? And it shows a lot of the um, real company, right? Like what are they made out of? And just know that for women in tech, you know, we need you. Don't give up. Uh, stay with it. And just don't throw in the towel um, because of one point in time. And, you know, just stay in the game. Let me help you. <laughs> stay in the game. Have you ever had a situation or coached somebody through a situation where they were in a work environment, okay? And they're, what they were being asked to do was far exceeded what, they were basically employed to do. Mm. And now with COVID, you may have seen this, right? Where it just seems like everybody's job description has expanded. Yes. yes. And because not only has your work job description expanded, but how you got your life description expanded, um, it can create not really, I'm trying to think of the right word, but it, it could create an antagonistic kind of relationship where you get angry, you get frustrated, and you feel like you're going to explode. But if you could have a conversation with somebody at work to say, hey, you know, I, I'm willing to do my job, but you've asked me to do 10 other things. Yes. How do you handle those kind of scenarios? Expectations. You have to be so clear on expectations. It's something around roles and responsibilities, expectations, understanding the grade level. So reading the rec, uh, the job posting of the level above you or talking to HR to understand what does someone one level above me do and see, are you fulfilling those roles and responsibilities at that level? In that case, you have proof to say, 
I have been working extra hard, taking on extra. In fact, I looked and I looked at the senior manager job and I'm doing that function. So I'd like to understand when we can come back to a conversation around my ability to to get paid in that fashion. So I think part of it is equal pay. We still have a huge problem that I'm more than happy to speak about at any time around uh, equal pay for women. It comes back to my ask. So we're getting to a point where people are talking a little bit more about pay parity. But I think it's not just talking about pay parity when you're getting a new job, but talking about pay parity when you're in a current job with the things that I talked about. For sure, that's a definite one. Yeah, the pay parity one is always such an interesting conversation. Uh, I left corporate life because I got disgusted with it and started my own company you know, my own managed service provider, tech services company, because I was just like, forget this, you know, it's just not worth battling it out in corporate America anymore for me. And one of the things I learned heading my own company and having employees is how quickly and easily it is to understand why a lot of those corporate policies went into place, right? Because without them, things can go really far left. And I'm not talking the political left or right. I'm just talking, they can go south really quick if you don't put some structure into things and around salaries as well. You know, people's expectations around salaries. So for a number of people, they feel like, well, I should make more money just because you feel like you should make more money. Where do you stand around this whole idea? Women, men, doesn't matter. I have issues if, you know, in corporate life, I had the exact same job as a guy and I got paid less. Yes. And I actually had more degrees than the guy, but he also came in through a different track. Yes. Than I did. Ladder. Yeah. So, you know, he came through a different ladder that immediately put him at a higher thing than the way I had come in to that that department, but curious since you said you're willing to talk about money and the ask. Uh, So one of the tips, I have a few different tips. Uh, One of them is to um, talk to people to understand when you're doing your performance reviews. So what are you being measured on? And that is a key time. And this is why I do the success work because it's really hard to explain what I do. But this is actually what I love doing is helping give women in tech these little bitty things so you could get 1% better every day. And one of them is branding. So a lot of it is the brand that you represent. So that's important because then you start to embody what you're saying you're doing. So for example, if I am claiming to be a security expert, How do I embody that with my brand? Am I speaking? Am I writing about security? Am I getting security certifications? Am I sitting in a security community service, you know, or community group? Uh, Am I, you know, in a, you know, what am I doing for that? And I think if we start to create the action and prove, you know, prove it, but then when you have performance review time, and if you're listening to this, please take, you know, take your notes. I'll write this one down for you. Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the beauty is, you know, the transcripts will be up on the website. The podcast will be there. You can keep listening to this over and over again, but take note, everybody, right at this moment, there's something really important to take a time to have. Go ahead. I want to talk to you about performance review magic. When you go to a performance review, your boss has an HR system guide rail of what they're measuring you on. I've studied a lot of the work of Marcus Buckingham and Ashley Goodall around the nine lies about work and around doing work that you love and having things every week I would analyze. What did I love last week? What did I loathe doing next week? And we still have a little further to go with some uh, algorithms that kind of can pop out what you really love and give you more reports on that. But that's the system, the guide rails. You have to be beyond the guide rails and you need to show how you did your core job and how you became a master of your craft. In order to get any type of upward momentum, in order to even move from one job to another, you need to show that you are a master of your craft. And it is these performance review times where you can prepare. I do unsolicited 
performance reviews. That's the magic. I go, here's your guardrails. And here's my beautiful presentation of everything that I've accomplished. Starting with my core job, I find that because I do extra outside of Cisco, even like women of Cisco work or the podcast and things like that, Mm -hmm. I always want to prove why I was above and beyond a master of my craft at my core job. And I think everyone should be able to say that. If you can't say that, then you shouldn't layer on extra things because The company wants to see that even if you have a child at home, even if you have this, are you mastering your core job? And if not, then you need to know what to ask for to help. Again, what do you need to ask for? Instead of dinner, you might say, I need someone to do this function because this is taking me too much time. Um, And so the performance review magic means coming to the table with, here's the things I did. Here's the speeches I gave. Here's the articles I was in. Here's the podcast that I was featured on. Here's the people that I mentored and helped. Here's who I was mentoring under. Here's what I learned. Here's the goals that I set. Because no one owns your future like yourself. And I know as a recent mother, when you're in the hospital, you have to use your brain. You have to use the benefits, the risk, the alternatives, your intuition, and what happens if you do nothing, the brain. (laughs) In a medical world, you own that. Nurses are rotating. They're working really hard. You own it, and you own it for your career as well. So that's kind of my my two cents on performance review magic is just making sure that you own it. And that way, no matter if you change leaders – because there's a lot of change in corporate America. If you change leaders, you carry that with you as your own personal uh, testament to your hard work, to your success. Absolutely brilliant the way you phrased it and and all that. And I started thinking through some stuff and and I just realized I haven't been keeping up on it because of of this the last um, week or so. But I keep this by um, by my desk and I write down everything I do every day. So for people right now at home that are working and they're, they're going to have their performance reviews at some point in time, I think that maybe some processes that they might have had when they went to the office where they, sort, where they kept track a little bit better of what they did and, and goals and wrote things down may have gone by the wayside because, you know, you've got the kid coming in or you've got the husband with a need or it's dinner. Or if you're single like me, it's something else that you have to go take care of or whatever may happen. What are some techniques that you have found for yourself and for others help prepare for that? Because there's a lot of people I know from having owned my own company and in corporate life had people underneath me as well, where it's like they come to these meetings, these performance review meetings, like they weren't even aware it's going to happen. So they're not even prepared. They just want the boss to lead the whole thing, which is where I find, I don't know if you've seen this, Nicole, where I find the dissatisfaction comes from, from both sides of the desk, is that expectations, I'm expecting you to walk into your performance review prepared for the performance review. You're expecting me as the boss to just say, oh, I'm wonderful. Give me a 10% raise. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, Laura, it's all about the questions (laughs) because you have to establish with your manager early on. So the onus of the employee is that you know what is success and set those expectations with your manager. So that should be, and what I do is I use a PowerPoint, like a blank PowerPoint, and I I shape a template of what I think I want to present at that first performance review. Some managers... Now, this is an interesting one. Some managers will want something more granular. So I always start with a new manager with a weekly report of the main things that I did. Main things, not the, you know, emailed someone back. No, you know, moved a deal forward, gave a presentation, supported this, helped collaborate with this, like the main things that you did. And then get a feel of if that manager wants that level of granularity. So when you start fresh with a new manager or you just say, hey, it's the new year. I'm starting a new habit. I'd like to give this to you. I had some managers where that saved my job because they questioned what I was doing and I had such a record. 
And I had other managers and leaders I worked for that um, didn't care. (laughs) They did not want it. But why don't you start giving them more granular? Because then you kind of can ratch back to where they're at. And then at least you have that data for the performance review. Maybe you don't give it to them. Then you take, I just take a simple PowerPoint because I think it's easy. It's visual. If you're taking notes in like OneNote or Evernote or some type of notepad, and then you have to translate them, if you're putting them directly into something that you can show someone on a PowerPoint, I'm always thinking how to present stuff, you know, executive level, right? Manager level. And you also want to make it easy for them to recommend you for awards and things, you know, managers want to share the good work of their team. Managers are successful when their people are successful. So if you as an individual contributor can show all the great work you're doing, it makes it easier for them to recognize you as well. So you want to kind of think about it as like, okay, here's my wins from the last, you know, looking back and that should be set with goals. So going into your performance review, either you had goals you were working on that you could update that were agreed upon as expectations and you either mm-hmm. met them, but you also want to be setting them moving forward. So you want to be setting the, the pace. And if you can control that as the individual, then you kind of can control more of your career. And I'll say that the manager, their responsibility is to really tune in and give you the feedback that will make you better. Their job is to help you be successful and remove barriers. So To me, when I manage a team, I'm looking at what do you need to be successful? How can I help you? Um, Well, I noticed that you're doing this. Like maybe you do question like what are the key, maybe those expectations can be reset by the manager. So I think there's an onus on the individual contributor to push, but there's an onus on the manager to have wise feedback because feedback is a gift. But it's only a gift when people are tuned into what you're doing. So if I say, oh, yeah, like uh, sometimes I'll, I have a lot of things I like, right? I'll give something to my husband. I'll say, hey, read this. He's like, looks good. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Looks good, right? You don't want like a looks good from your manager. You want your manager to be invested so that they have what I call the 20%, the things that will really help you sharpen your knife because every good athlete needs a coach and every good employee can have a manager to help them be better, reach their goals, be more satisfied at work, contribute to the corporate culture, recognize when what they need because they may not ask. So the manager sometimes has to see what they need, even if they're not asking and try to provide that. But that's kind of a philosophy of leadership. So that could be uh, many ways. It's a great philosophy of leadership. And, um, and BJ, thank you for the comment on social media, by the way. Appreciate that. When I saw BJ's name pop up, it made me think of another, I'd already been sort of formulating some of the things you were saying because there's so much insight, right, in, in everything that you said. And I'm glad we told everybody, okay, pay attention, time timestamp here so you can go back and be magic. <laughs> but let's skew that, not skew that, let's take a step to another direction with that. For those that are listening that are entrepreneurs, that are not working for somebody, that do not have a direct manager. I see how a lot of what you said can apply towards their relationship with their clients. Because you need to do a lot of those same, well, you should be doing those same things with your clients because you want to keep your clients happy. You want to keep that relationship going. I can't tell you, you've probably seen this a a thousand times, Nicole, People have clients and they're like, I don't understand why the relationship went south or how come I'm doing, you know, I'm sending these bills and they're like, well, that's not what we agreed to. And the bills are so much higher than what was sort of agreed to because the person kept adding on to the project, adding on to the project. But (laughs) the entrepreneur didn't say, well, wait a minute, that's a change. So take what can you take what you were saying about a manager employee environment and shift that to an entrepreneur client environment? Absolutely. So this cool. See, I knew you could do that. No, I love it. I want to totally. A lot of it has to do with the expectations. So in the corporate world, you're working under the expectations of your boss who guides your career in the way, right? They're kind of in charge of you uh, there. Well, in the um, 
world of small business and entrepreneurship, your guide of if you're hitting the mark is your customers. So you need to be really committed to understand that your customers are a journey. Uh, as George Bryant says, relationships <laughs> beat algorithms. I'll give him a shout out because I've been studying under him lately. And he does a great job talking about understanding the customer journey. That all comes down to what did you promise that you'll deliver them? And are you delivering that? And where are you at in delivering that? If you did deliver it, how can you show that you delivered it? So it's the same thing as coming back to a performance review. Although you should go back to your customer and guess what? That customer is going to be your biggest fan because you've ensured that you got them what they need. And if there isn't, then you open the door taking like a performance review conversation and doing a QBR or quarterly business review or some type of process with your customer where you show them the great work you're doing because they may not know. Just like a boss may not know that you're off doing all these wonderful things. That's why you have to tell them. <laughs> That's what you need to do for your customers. They may not know that you backed up you know, all their data or you made custom logos for their, you know, event or that you helped troubleshoot this or you helped one of their employees get stood up. I mean, there's so much that goes on. You have to show your magic through the performance review. And so absolutely. And I will say one other thing. The reason why I do this is because not only does it show what you're doing for accountability to your manager or to your customer, it helps you see that you've achieved. And success is a matter of setting up your own goal line and pushing towards that goal line every day. So when you're doing these types of things, don't, if, if you're doing it in like, ugh, you know, you should be happy to put that on there. You should be excited that you reached a milestone with a customer or that you were able to share a message about your technology solution to a user group. Like, it should be aligned to the mission of your business. And I think that's really important, especially for entrepreneurs, because there isn't anyone patting you on the back. Like there's not like right. know, a CEO of the quarter, like it's just you, you know, like it's your business. So I think in a way, just like I have people write down a hundred successes in your life. If you've never done that, I encourage you to just make a list of a hundred things that you've done successfully. You'd be surprised anything from writing a surfboard, <laughs> to not me, not done you know, that. Walking around the block, I have a, I haven't either, right? But you know, what what have you been successful at? I think that's important for all of us to understand that we are making progress, and that little by little, you you are achieving things, and it can help you feel uh, a little bit good because the struggle is a little bit harder when you're a solopreneur. And you said something that I want to make sure it doesn't get lost, right? We talked about this riding the surfboard, okay. and. But then you said walking around the block. <laughs> and I think it's important that people don't realize that that hundred success doesn't have to be these massive things. It yeah. could be walking around the block because for some people that is massive, even just walking to the end of the driveway. Yes. Um, you know, for me right now, a success is making it to the bathroom in time and getting the pants down in time, you know, because it just takes so long. I mean, it's a simple thing, but that's a success for me right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't want people to forget that. So. No, not at all. And you have to define your success. But if you don't define it, you don't write it down, you don't set the goal line, you're just running on a treadmill. And I think that that's where people get burnt out. And especially times like now, it's harder to set a goal line. So it's even more important, just like I'm being called to do more work for women in technology because we're having them leave the field. It's more important too that I do work around success and goals because that's what helps you kind of keep going is when you set the, the goal line and you make the touchdown and you set the goal line and you publish the book or you walk around the block or you make lunch and eat healthy that day, whatever it is, big or small. And I encourage everybody to do that. Uh, for themselves. In fact, you can set goals for seven areas of your life. Uh, you can uh, Google search that or DuckDuckGo search that um, and see how goals, it's not, um, if it's better to break it down into areas. What, what are my goals for fun in COVID life? 
<laughs> I'm personally right. building like a music setup here so I can stream live music from my house since I can't go see live music, right? So how can I play records and have people hear them through uh, Restream.io or whatever it may be? Uh, and then what are you doing for personal relationships? What's your goals for legacy, your physical, your career, your community, you know, really looking at those areas of your life and and doing some giving because that can help you kind of get your morale up for uh, being persevering through this crazy, crazy time. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I've kind of decided to myself that it's not a crazy time. It's just a time. <laughs> I, I've just, I'm changing the way I'm thinking about this and, and words that I'm using for myself. That's and what you were just talking about, I can see that going into what we talked about when we said to everybody, timestamp this, replay this part, where we talked about performance reviews in a corporation, and then we talked about the client entrepreneur. What's your feelings? Are you doing this for yourself in your personal life with your family, thinking of each other as your own clients and your family and how are you each performing and what are your expectation needs? Yes. I think I talk about um, keeping agreements with yourself. You have agreements to perform your job. That's how you're paid. You have agreements with your customers. That's how you get paid. <laughs> and you have agreements with your family and they're through the eyes of the child sitting across from dinner through the tiredness of the eyes of your partner that's doing too much, that needs a break, that needs a foot rub, <laughs> that needs, you know, some kindness. It's someone, in my case, my daughter asking me to play Barbies. You know, yesterday we painted, we sang and danced and we played Barbie. You know, it's what, what do they need? And I'm very attentive to that. Uh, I'm a little bit of an empath. So I think it's a blessing that I feel connected to tuning into that, but it's also incorporating my family into some of the stuff that I'm doing. So on my podcast, you're going to hear my daughter doing some intros. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Like she shared her goals on the podcast that we released today for Tech Diva Success or that we're going to release today. And her goals are to catch a fish and go climbing in this year. She's four. So I think it's also integration for me because I do live a highly driven, successful life. So instead of hiding it, how can I make it visible so she sees that I'm helping people? So when I go down to work, I'm not like, I got to go to the basement to work. I frame it as I'm going to go help my friend build her career success. <laughs> Like I'm pretty uh, bold. I love that. <laughs> I go, awesome. Help my customers build a solution so that they can get on the internet securely. I mean, it's it's bringing them into part of it is good too, and then being a part of their life and understanding what's important to them. And self care is really important, and making sure you find balance. But balance isn't you know this many hours this day. It's never. Exactly. Oh, this is the balance. The balance is ebbs and flows. I always laugh about the cookies on the plate story, right? So I'm the kind of person that I carry a lot of cookies on my plate. I do a lot of things. And sometimes when my plate gets full, I'll hear from my friends or family like, Nicole, we're worried you're doing too much. And I say, I understand. I'm not taking any more cookies <laughs> right now. My plate is full, but I'm not going to throw the plate on the floor. So let me hand out the cookies. Let me get them off my plate. And then when that when I hit that point, I make sure I come back down and schedule the time just for my family and reserve that time to be a super mom and be goofy. And it's about quality time. Uh, and you can't always have it be quantity. It has to be the quality because you could sit there for, you know, a million hours while your kid's on an iPad and, you know, but you're not interacting with them. But are you building a Lego jewelry box? I don't know. <laughs> That sounds like fun, a Lego jewelry box. <laughs> a frozen Lego jewelry box. We're getting box. close to the end of the time today, and I could talk to you for hours, Nicole. <laughs> I, I know you've got um, a book coming out that you you said isn't officially launched yet, but you're willing to share it's with us unique. about that. And I also want to give you an opportunity to share how people can get in touch with you and, and where they can find your great podcasts. 
Wonderful. And I will say that this uh, tattoo is not real. <laughs> but I'm glad I talked about my daughter because I'm, uh, well, I do love Pokemon, but I will uh, say that I noticed it was a little bit in the video there. <laughs> Throw it in, in the video. So yes, you know, I am really dedicated to sparking success for women in technology by both leading, like I said, and serving. And I do that in a few ways. I have kind of communities with the podcast. We have the Diva Tech Talk podcast that I've been doing with Kathleen Norton Shock for over six years. We have over 100 episodes and we tell the career journeys of women in tech. So basically you can listen through, see, read the read the article about them, see them and see if that resonates with you and help let that inspire you to be in it. I found that a little narrow because we have so much other diverse ideas that can help inspire women in technology. So I started the Tech Diva Success Podcast, which is open to men, women, coaches, all kinds of people who have success tips for women in technology. That's the smaller show. So if you're out there and you wanna share your gift for women in technology. I would love to talk to you about it. And then I have two books. Okay, wait. Uh, so names of the two podcasts again? Diva Tech Talk and Tech Diva Success. And okay. everything is available at techdivasuccess.com. All the goodies. Thanks for the thumbs up there. And then my book with Jack Canfield is really good. You can read about ERO, my favorite formula, The Secret of Life, uh, which we don't have time for, but it's kind of my uh, secret of life. I have a YouTube channel where I talk about that as well. And then the sneak peek is this book. Super excited. One Habit to Thrive in a Post-COVID World. So this is full of amazing habits that you can do to try to thrive. A lot of it is, you know, video. I talk about masking up your technology, which is a play on uh, securing yourself in the digital world. Security, so hot right now, security. Yep. And whether it's owning your data or mastering the technology you need, this book is full of habits that you can embrace to thrive post-COVID. And that is actually going to be launched this Friday. So you could check it out on Amazon. And they have one habit books in many different areas. This is the post-COVID one, which is another great way, I'll say, for anyone out there who's looking to be an author to contribute, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to share my experience. It's a great way to take something that you're passionate about, a little tidbit, and work with some other uh, great people in collaboration to create a book for the author out there that doesn't want to spend um, all the time writing and the, the process that uh, can occur with books. So I would love to connect with anyone on social media, Tech Diva Success, you can find me on there. And I have a goal setting workshop content and I have a private Facebook group where I preview all of my courses for free, uh, kind of as my beta test if you're in the private okay. group. And then they find that where? Uh, at Tech Diva Tribe. It should be listed on Facebook. Okay, and that tech awesome. tribe. tribe. Yes. It's more of an action-based group versus the, uh, you know, the page is more for updates on what I'm doing in the collection of body of work, but the tribe, the tech diva tribe, shout out to my tribe out there. That's where we get it done. That's where we do the work. We're setting the goals. I'm sharing these tidbits and, uh, people are getting, hopefully, uh, bringing in more women into the field of technology and letting them stay there to make a big impact. I love it. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah. We talked about a lot of really cool things. I know it, it wasn't necessarily co cohesive in some of the topics, but it got to what we were really trying to talk about, which is empowering success and the steps that you can take yourself yeah. to do it. And uh, I hope we I, got full tips. If it's yeah, oh one tip, then hey, that's a win for me. You shared so much information in spite of my being a bit scattered at the beginning, but the ibuprofen finally kicked in. So yay. <laughs> <Hey>, ibuprofen. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the little things in life, right? Yeah. And I, I love so many of the techniques and tips that you shared and the strategies that you shared to help women and men be successful, whatever their career path may be. And I love the work that you're doing both on your podcasts and with your tribe and things like that. So, so keep working at that and keep inspiring people, Nicole, because you just have such a brilliant energy and I love the work you're doing and congrats on being uh, a mom again. And since I understand how difficult that is, not only 
non-COVID, but pre-COVID, if there's something I can do to help you out, please let me know. Well, like I said, if we were together, we could watch babies and a cook together. There you go. <laughs> but uh, hopefully everyone do- goes out and does something nice for someone today. Pay it forward. I love that. Yeah, that's a great thing to go out and do something nice. So thank you for being on the show. Hang on and um, I'm going to close the show up and I'll be right back to you. All right, everybody. Nicole Schaefer is just, Schaefer is just like totally amazing with the work she's doing to empowering women. And so are you. You're watching this show or you're listening to this show on podcast and you have an idea. You have so much that you can be doing for the world, but if you don't do for yourself first, you're not going to have anything to give to the world. So know what you need. Know what your asks are. Know what your boundaries and your expectations are. And if you need some help doing that, you can reach out to Nicole. You can reach out to myself. Let me help you help yourself and help others in the world. That's what Nicole and I stand for. That's what we want to do in this world. So remember, at the end of the day, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.